I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. For many of us, nature has been the medicine that's gotten us through this past year. But did you know that nature is an important component of a child's education, especially a young child's education. Today, we're gonna to hear all about forest schools and meet a very special teacher that hails from Queensland, Australia to talk about the importance of nature and that connection. I also want to tell you that I'm hearing from parents all over the world about how they are struggling, how they feel alone, how they're so puzzled by their son. And I am a family coach. This is Janet and I'm a family coach and I help parents get back on track, make those adjustments, understand their son's development because you know, we can't know it all. And so I'm here to help you. You can schedule a free breakthrough session with me. We get on the phone for about 30 minutes and you talk to me and I ask you questions and we figure out where you are, where you want to go in your parenting. And if I can help you get there, I'll tell you about that too. I look forward to talking with you. I love, love, love talking to our On Voice listeners. So go to boysalive.com call and schedule your breakthrough session with me. And now our episode with Nikki Farrell, co-founder of the Wildlings Forest School in Queensland, Australia. For many of us, nature has been the medicine that has gotten us through this past year. Whether it's a walk in a city park, a day at a local lake or camping, nature has offered a safe respite for many of us all over the world. For many kids, not just boys, nature is a place where they can challenge themselves, simply play with wild abandon, discover, and create. As a kid, I spent hours at a local creek 
catching tadpoles, making rafts, almost getting swept away in a flash flood with my parents never knowing a thing about where we were or what we were doing. Oh, freedom. As you know, Jen and I talk often about how school isn't a good fit for many active boys, which brings us to the notion of combining school and nature. You may have heard of forest schools somewhere in the news, or maybe you're lucky enough to have one in your community. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Nikki Farrell, who is the co-founder of the Wildlings Forest School in Queensland, Australia. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast too. I've really, really enjoyed listening. Yay, good. Well, tell us first of all, what is a forest school? Mm. So essentially it's holistic education outdoors and nature. So the focus really is on emergent child-led learning uh, and not so much set curriculum, which can be a real, uh, you know, some people think of it as a, as a real hippie type outfit, but I would say it's actually quite um, in line with current research on education because this is where all the, the educational research is heading is that our education needs to be individualised, needs to be more movement, needs, needs to be more place-based. And so Forest School encapsulates all of that really, really well. Absolutely. And as we say here in Portland, Oregon, where it is often mm. very gloomy and very <laughs> rainy, is that there is no bad weather there is only bad clothing that's right that's part of our definitely part of our philosophy I have to admit though when I went camping two weeks ago and we had a flood warning come out it felt like we were living in Portland it was so (laughs) much rain I'm sorry (laughs) I got a tiny snippet of what it might feel like to live there on a day-to-day basis (laughs) yeah I mean it's not that bad but it's it's great it's great but is this only for preschool is this only for kindy age kids is this no so we currently run nature play groups for zero to three-year-olds we run kindy age programs for three to six-year-olds and then we run primary school age programs as well we I'm a high school teacher by trade so I would absolutely love to see this for high school it's um, that's the aim. <laughs> Wouldn't it be but, amazing? Uh, yeah. and look, we are getting some older homeschool students coming in and joining us for our uh, upper primary programs. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we'll get there. But, um, you know, there's less homeschoolers in that age category anyway in the high mm-hmm. school. But it, it really sits. There's the multi-age point of view as well. We do a lot of multi-age work with our kids. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, year one or grade three. It's primary school from, yes, you know, six-year-olds to 13-year-olds and the multi-age learning we see is absolutely incredible we have great leaders and we have great learners <laughs> let's call them yeah um, but yeah in high you know high school students need nature just as much if not more I would say because we've seen particularly those boys sitting in a classroom I don't know if you can hear my feet tapping and the pen yeah. tapping on the table and you can see them just bajiggity with energy they mm-hmm. just need to get those bodies moving so mm-hmm. When we do have high school groups join us, generally it's for disengaged students that have joined us. Um, The children or the students that we get warned about, you know, little Johnny, keep an eye on him, are the ones that absolutely thrive in forest school. They're able to show these skills that they have innately that they might not be suited for the academic stream so much, but gosh, if they've got things to do with their hands and particularly things that are a little bit riskier, then they're all over it. 
Absolutely. And Jen and I talk often about, you know, our boys need risk and girls too Mm, need risk, need challenges, need to be moving their bodies to Mm. um, process what they're learning and to be learning through their bodies. And Mm. I, I mean, I, I just encourage our listeners to think about, you know, when were your happiest times as a child? Mm. And often it's when you were on the beach or you were out at the cabin on the lake or you were at the park down the street. Mm. And a lot of times it was unsupervised. You yeah, know? I think that's the point out of all of that nature. Absolutely. But our, this generation coming through is supervised for something like 95% of their lives before they're 18. We didn't have that. No. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I was off on the farm, free range, probably doing a few things I shouldn't have been doing, but things that but here you are. weren't working. <laughs> I am. And, you know, I never broke a leg. I never broke a bone. I never had stitches. And that's not to say that I don't know plenty of farm children that didn't. But sure. We, we call them learning experiences, you know, the yeah. childhood learning experiences rather than injuries because mm-hmm. children heal really well. They're meant to because they're meant to be experimenting and they're meant to be testing mm-hmm. their bodies and learning the, you know, how far they can push their bodies. And we can't do that really, frankly, without free play because there's too many adults in our cultures now yeah. that say, be careful, don't do that, that's too risky, stop that, because they're putting their own concerns on the on the risky play rather than right. letting a child experiment. And, and it's the continuum. You know, the three-year-old is practicing climbing up on a log and they're yeah. figuring out how to use their bodies. And I work with, a, uh, I'm a family coach and I work with a lot of parents whose children are 12 and 14 and they're mm. home, you know, in their rooms playing video games. And and they're, the questions the parents are asking is how do I build his self-confidence? How do I build mm. his self-esteem, his resiliency? And I just feel like this is the starting point is when we allow our children to be out and exploring and figuring out what their own bodies can do. Absolutely. It's, you know, we know particularly for boys that self-worth is what brings that self-confidence and that they're constantly seeking self-worth. And that can be in minute tasks, but those life skills, those really basic life skills, if you've got those, those children and particularly boys, they, if you know how to light a fire and you know how to build shelter and you know how to find water, then they know they can survive anywhere. And that is a deep, deep sense of self-worth. Yeah. 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 Mm. So how long have you been having a forest program? And I would love to hear maybe a, a, you know, like one of the stories that really stays with you, maybe a parent was reluctant to bring their child. And then of course, there's all the, the amazing things that happen as the child grows. And mm, uh, so we've been running for four, just over four years now. And both my business partner, Vicky and I are ex high school teachers. And as it just sometimes goes as teachers, school's great, school's great. Oh, I've got my own children now. I've got some questions. Yeah, school's not so great. Mm, <laughs> Hang on a minute. Not now. such a good fit. <laughs> All these things I've been doing without thinking about them. Now, now I've got some questions. So I essentially couldn't find daycare, um, the kind of daycare I wanted for my children, which was space. I needed a space for my boys because they they ran and they jumped and they moved. And I did not want to see them contained because I don't know if you've heard of the, the saying now, containerized kids. You know, our children live in a in a box and they get into a car, which is another box, and they move to a, 
you know, sometimes they're in those, um, the bumbos and the high chairs or they're stuck into the wheelies that move around and, mm-hmm. and children aren't free to move like they're meant to move. And then we wonder why we get labels and things because they're not allowed to move how we're meant to move. Mm-hmm. So the stories are plenty of those like that, you know, parents calling up saying, I'm super worried about poor little Johnny. I need another name. I know. <laughs> um, he's got all of these labels. He's not doing well at school. Can I come along and just make sure he's going to be okay? Absolutely. We have a parents can attend at any time policy. You know, we want them to see that their children are safe and we want them to see their children in an environment where they often don't see their children. And we couldn't pick these kids in a lineup. We honestly couldn't because particularly with, um, you know, the autism, you know, Asperger's, those kind of um, difficulties, then these children, they, they don't have walls. So they've got that freedom. They can use their outside voices. And more to the point, they don't have that sensory overload. You know, we're meant to see green. We're meant to hear the the rustling of leaves. We're not meant to be put under fluorescent lights. And we're not meant to be surrounded by walls that are covered in bright colours and listening to 20 children in in a contained room. So the children that need to, that perhaps have sensory overload issues, they can retreat and they can find a quiet sit spot and they can breathe yeah. in fresh air and they can sit and watch the ants go by. They self-regulate. We mm-hmm. have hardly had any behaviour behavior issues in four years. And we have lots of children with lots of labels. Not not all children, absolutely, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we have lots of children with additional needs and, you know, learning difficulties and behaviour difficulties. And yeah. we notice yeah. every now and then we get one that we need to, you know, have a plan for, but that's really rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as a teacher I can say if you've thought about doing forest school as a teacher do it purely because the behavior issues are none. so small <laughs> I know and every I was also a teacher and it's like oh wow that would be amazing to yeah. just to be able to to teach but it's it's my sense is it's not so much teaching as yeah. as you said it's child-led and it's of course you have a plan basically yeah. but but there's just so much more space and freedom and this ability, you know, I, I love that you have the multi multi ages together because, mm-hmm. you know, we know every five-year-old is not the same. They're mm-hmm. in, in different developmental places. And so outside that's not as apparent as inside in a kindergarten, when you're, you know, coloring inside the lines, then mm-hmm. that difference becomes somewhat problematic because the kid who isn't coloring in the lines actually knows that they're not and they're looking at the other kids but being outside all of that Mm -hmm. diminishes and I love that the older kids are interacting with the younger kids I think we have a deficit of that of just Mm -hmm. that place where oh I have to step up for this younger child now yeah and it breeds empathy as well you know a child climbs an older child may climb up into a tree and then a little child's at the bottom saying can you help me and you can see them go oh oh I didn't realize that you couldn't get up or they're just so much more empathetic with the little children around and it makes my heart really warm you know you see it when you're outside of school but again as a teacher when you're there five days a week you don't see that interaction as much. You don't see the older children helping up the small child that's hurt their knee or 
helping them, you know, we do fire striking and we use pocket knives and they give them tips and tricks on how to stay safe or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, watch out, the water's a bit high there for you. I'm going to stand by here and make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh, this is what we're missing sometimes yes. in our society is this, oh, I see you and I see your difficulty and I'd like to lend a hand. It's really mm-hmm. that simple. Yes, so simple. Yeah. So would you talk about kind of worldwide what is happening with forest schools and where it got started and maybe just kind of what your knowledge is about the development of forest schools. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. So forest school started in the Scandinavian countries, essentially in Finland. Uh, and, and it's, I guess, ironic because of the weather there. You, right. You it's think, cold. You know, why <laughs> are the rest of why are the rest of us doing it? Because if you can go out in the snow in, I don't know, Fahrenheit, but really, really, really cold weather, then <laughs> you, you can do forest school anywhere. Um, so from there, it's moved over to the UK. And then from the UK, we've had some trainers come over and start training us over in Australia. And it's the first thing they say when they come over here is, what are you doing? You have amazing school grounds. You have amazing parks. You have incredible weather. Why are your children indoors? So it's, it's really only been here for about 10 or so years, the forest mm-hmm. school philosophy, mm-hmm. um, but bush kindy is really taking off here. So the schools are definitely a bit slower to catch up with the outdoor classrooms, but we're certainly starting to see more of a movement there, which is really exciting for me because the main reason we started Wildlings was so that we can start seeing more nature brought into or getting more children outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. That could be as simple as I'm an English teacher, just taking children outside to read their books. Yes. It's amazing the difference just yes. a change of state will make when they're so used to that routine five days a week that, mm-hmm. you know, it's simple things like that that really help build those relationships with teenagers too. And particularly my teenage boys that hated English, hated English. And, you know, when you're so restricted with the curriculum as well, you know, I want to write about motorbikes, miss. Oh, but we have to study Shakespeare, even though I don't think you need to study Shakespeare. 
<laughs> right, right. Don't say um, that too loud. But I know. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, I and I heard that I, I heard a study that said even looking outside at greenery raises mm-hmm. test scores. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. And, and overall well-being, blue yeah. and green, any kind of blue and green, a, even a, a picture, a painting of blue and green will increase your immunity, your happiness, your health and your academic schools. Why are wow. we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? That's the thing. Why aren't yeah. we doing this? It's so absolutely simple, it seems. Mm. But there is, and I think we need to talk about fear-based parenting. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm really comfortable in nature. I grew up camping. I camped with my kids, the whole thing. I seek, like I, I seek Mm -hmm. nature as solace. And yet, you know, I know that not everyone listening to this podcast is oriented that way. Mm -hmm. So talk about just how even little doses of nature can be helpful, but what if you're kind of fearful of yeah I had this exact conversation on my own podcast yesterday actually with an ex-SAS soldier because he was saying that our you know generations are going by where some generations have now lived in the cities for three or four generations and so have a real fear of nature because it's an unknown you know and we fear what we don't know whether that's homophobia whether it's racism whether it's spiders it's because we don't know and we don't have the knowledge about them I'm scared of bears because we don't have bears here. You're probably scared of snakes because, you know, you don't have the kinds of snake. I don't know. I'm making this up, but we fear what we don't know. So like you said, taking those micro doses and starting in, start in a very manicured garden, start where there's lots of people and sit on a park bench or at a playground and let your children just explore the outskirts of the playground. Take them out into the backyard and let them pull the bark off of a tree with a stick if you're worried about their fingers getting behind the bark in the tree. But the beach, I I would just say if you've got access to a beach or a creek, just take the children down there, but take friends. If you take friends, A, you've got a support network and B, you've got entertainment. So if the children start going at you, I'm bored because there's no screens. (laughs) They've got friends. And as soon as they've got friends, they've got buddies that, you know, that sparks their imagination. And that's where the creativity flows. But it really is um, going out with people that you know and trust. I honestly believe that if you can go camping with a friend that has all the gear, knows mm-hmm. what they're doing, then that's how you slowly build up. That Okay, I definitely need this. I don't need this. I'm okay going to the toilet out in the bush. I'm not going to die out there yeah. <laughs> you know, if you need to do that. Um, yeah. it, it's it's immersion therapy, you know, I'm not a counselor, but it is, it's, you know, spiders, I'm not terribly, I, I'm not scared of snakes, but I, I wouldn't say they're my best friends, but mm-hmm. I've been, I've lost this fear of them purely because we've had reptile handlers come in and they mm. let us, you know, hold pythons and they talk to us and we see the passion that they have with them. And it's hard to be scared of something that you know so much about. So. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's so true. So true. Mm. So tell us what does a typical day look like? Say that I'm a four-year-old. What am I going to be out doing today? Well, it totally depends on what your interests are. So like you mentioned before, we always have a plan. So uh, we just, we've got holiday programs, but last term we had a focus on water because we're, we're in the middle of our summer and it's stinking hot and humid here. So it might have been raft building, for example. We, um, we let them know what we're planning to do or what, we, what you can do. So the option is this is what we thought we might do. 
here are the resources that we're providing today and then let's see what magic happens because the de-schooling process I've been through in the last four years what I've learned is that the children come up with far better things than I can ever imagine just giving right. them access yeah it's the time the place the resources and mentors oh my goodness the learning that happens when mm-hmm. they can individualize they can collaborate there's no grades off they go so they come down we do a morning circle we do our acknowledgement of country then essentially we let them know what we're doing they go and grab the resources a handful of people might make a raft the others might be climbing trees or swinging or sliding down mudslides but often it's the resources that then they'll go let's make a cubby let's make a bridge I'm going to pour water down this and and I'll say oh that's what the ancient Greeks would call an aquifer that's that's how Mm -hmm. modern plumbing started there goes a conversation about aquifers. They, yeah. you know, there's our ancient history, but they're learning with their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not sit here and listen to ancient Rome and, and about plumbing. <laughs> right. I'm making right. it with my hands in nature with friends, yeah. with freedom and no grade and no test score. So mm-hmm. do you see a predominance of boys in your program or or is it pretty mixed and balanced? It's, it's really hit or miss, actually. When we first started, we honestly thought we would get... boys and we thought we'd get you know very high high level of children with additional needs and that's not been the case at all so we probably last term we had 50 50 children uh, male female Mm -hmm. other and then this term for one of our homeschooling programs it's gone up to 85 percent boys just Mm -hmm. overnight Mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason to it so yeah Yeah. we can't pick it right right (laughs) well and I love that girls are just as you know comfortable out there as boys are and and I do know that our boys our little boys especially tend to want to or feel compelled to have a little bit more risky behavior than, for instance, than a lot of moms are comfortable with. Yeah. So how do you work with parents around risk taking? And mm. more importantly, what happens when boys don't have the opportunity to take risks mm. or when kids, I can That's... say boys and girls, but boys tend to live in that arena a little bit yeah. more than girls. Absolutely. That That's a really important point that you bring up because we do see these behaviours, particularly in schools, uh, but also at home. They'll start seeking. If you don't allow them to, to let the risky play out, then they will seek it, and they'll seek it in ways that you're very much not comfortable with. So by sending them to a program such as ours, for example, we do a primitive weapons workshop, which is essentially whistling with a pocket knife, but they can make bow and arrows and spears mm-hmm. and whatnot. But it's a controlled environment. We're so highly ratioed. We sit and talk to them about all the risks of, of pocket knives. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you could, you know, if you've ever touched a pocket knife, most people have cut themselves. And most boys, the stories I hear from the dads that come is, oh, I found my dad's pocket knife. And when I opened it, I sliced my hand open. Yeah. <laughs> and we say, this is exactly what we're preventing here because mm-hmm. we're teaching them how to use these risky tools safely so that if yeah. they do stumble across a knife and they want to use it, they know how to use it safely. And so the risk goes straight way down. down yeah way down it's it's again it's it's knowledge is power and knowledge is safety i i think it is so important to have these opportunities for kids to use sharp knives for mm. them to use you know all sorts of tools and to use i'm i'm such a proponent of using the real thing 
Absolutely. Not using the, you know, the child size, whatever, whatever. Yeah that they, you know, if they're sweeping, they have an actual, sure, it's a smaller size broom, but it's a yeah. real broom and it's yeah. not a pretend place that, and, mm-hmm. and so I'm really hearing this with the pocket knives. And I mean, what kid doesn't want to use a pocket knife? Yeah. It's so fun. And they will find it. They will find one, whether it's at their friend's house or their granddad's house, they will find one. So we're, we're preempting those behaviors. And if we can preempt them, then they're not going to get in trouble when they cut their hand because they found one and they've stolen it or they borrowed it because yeah. that's, they're not looking for that. So the other, I guess, the way that we get around those helicopter parents as well as we invite them down. So we have a lot of parents, particularly single mums, come down um, and just say, thank you for letting me come because I've never started a fire in my life and I really want this experience for my children, but I don't know how to start a fire. So this is how we empower parents because then we can obviously teach the children, the children can teach the parents and they can show that they can all be safe. And it, it's, it's a generational thing. We're now bringing back the skills that we're starting to lose, which I think is really important. So important. I, I mean, I can imagine being a teacher in a forest school because it would just, mm. you know, it really speaks to that uh, primal place in us mm. of being in nature being the rhythm of the seasons and the weather and it does build resilience and I think I I loved what you said earlier about I mean I didn't love it because it's the container but really thinking Mm -hmm. about our kids are in this container the car is a container the you know the the room where the 14 year old is playing video games Mm -hmm. day in and day out is this box that they're trapped in and they don't know how to get out of it and so they're living in this fantasy world Mm. and what is you know what is in video games often you know Minecraft and Fortnite it's about being out in nature and doing stuff yeah and you know I think crazy you touched on that point as well is they are seeking connection but they're seeking connection in a box so how do we get, we're not meant to live in a box. We are, you know, at our essence, we are animals. So we're meant to be out in nature. So, you know, fire will draw those video gamers out. We get those kids out. And, you know, when we create those weapons, there is Fortnite play and there is, you know, video game play, but they're connecting with real human beings in real time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have Harry Potter days and we, and we do potions and wands and brooms, but then the play after that is magic. But I wanted to touch on that connection is that, We build relationships with boys in particular and those grunty cavemen, teenage boys, rapidly, particularly in our fire sessions, because it's an ancient thing to sit in circle around a fire. And it's an ancient thing to work side by side with someone and communicate side by side rather than in front of a classroom speaking at people. Boys like to communicate side by side. They don't want to always make eye contact with you in an uncomfortable conversation so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to get our boys in circle around a fire and tell stories video games are just stories yes they're passing on those stories around fire so I understand the desire for video games because it's it's storytelling and it's connection 
but let's try and give them other options as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that side by side, Jen, and I talk about that so much of just, you know, mm -hmm. boys don't love eye contact. So do something side by side with your boy mm -hmm. and how much better to do it outside side by side. And if you mm -hmm. aren't comfortable with it, my dear listeners, I bet if you look around in your community, no matter where you live across the globe, there are people who are stand ready and mm -hmm. willing and loving to be able to share their passion for nature, for birds, for reptiles, any, mm -hmm. any part of it, find those people, seek them out and connect, make that connection with, with your family. Cause it's good for the whole family to yeah. be out. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And forest school philosophy is just thriving across the globe. We're getting lots of inquiries from the States about, particularly in this climate, people are looking and seeking to be outdoors more, but they're wanting that helping hand. So there's nature co-ops and all sorts that you can join. So definitely just mm -hmm. Google nature play or, you know, forest for school and see what's around. Well, how can people find you and learn more about your program? And the best way, of course, is our website, wildlingsforestschool.com. But we're also on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and all the places. Um, but yeah, I probably, my favorite is Instagram. I'm such a visual person. The photos mm -hmm. of the children that we have in our programs just really tugs at my nostalgic barefoot in nature loving heart. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I have loved this conversation because I too, you know, long for the days of being outside and barefoot and, and, uh, you know, I, my kids were outside so much. I, you were talking about the fire circle and mm. for them, it was building fairy houses mm. and, you know, there's just nothing like being out and building fairy houses or creating mandalas with mm. flower petals and pine cones and stones. And so dear listeners, I encourage you to seek out what is in your community and know that just even in your backyard or your city park, there are places and ways for you to connect with nature and it will do you good as an adult and it will do such amazing wondrous things for your kids too thank you nikki so much for being with us today and sharing your experience i love that you were a high school teacher and now you're out <laughs> frolicking with the little ones and uh yes thank you so much for sharing this vision of what is possible for our kids and what i i really think is the uh, it's it's survival we've got to mm -hmm. turn back to what you know, where we came from and that's nature. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for the opportunity and thank you for advocating for our boys because frankly, they really need it and they really need help projecting their voice. So thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. You may have noticed that Jen's voice was missing from this uh, dialogue and uh, occasionally we have to go it solo because lives are busy so missed missed my co-host today but what a great conversation with nikki i hope you will seek out nature and i hope you will seek out a breakthrough session call with me if you're feeling the need to just get re-centered just get refocused in your parenting that is what i'm here for just go to boysalive.com call and find a time we'll get on the phone and talk and you know what i have clients all over the globe so whether you're in australia or the uk or prague 
I would love to chat with you and support you and help you raise your boys into great men. Thanks for being with us. If you loved this podcast, do share it with a friend. That helps us grow and spread the word in support of our boys and men. Take care.